ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special edition of the Cheats Movement podcast. I am joined by a very special guest, one that I'm really excited uh, for you, my audience to learn about. If you don't already know, you're probably living under a rock. If you don't know about uh, this wonderful brand, 199. 199 is, I, I want to be careful about how I describe it because I know language matters. And they are a college retro basketball apparel company. And they have just been blowing up with some of the most amazing products. I posted about it on the blog. Um, retro shorts from some of the greatest periods of college basketball. And I am joined by none other than one of their co-founders, Josh Barnett. Josh, welcome to the program. What's up, Cheats? Thanks for having me, man. Now, I'm really, really excited about this because I'm really excited about 19.9 and what you guys have been doing for a number of years. I know as a uh, person that kind of understands the slow grind of business, and especially this particular business, which is not easy to break into. You guys have done a really successful job over the last couple of years, but there's no such thing as an overnight success. So tell us a little bit about the origin story of 19.9. And let me do this first, because I, sure. again, I, I, I'm priding myself on my research about the brain. So okay. let me know if I got this part right. And All right. So the intro that I always like to say down is Josh Barnett, a.k.a. Wild Optimism, and the Cold 3 record holder, right? Cold 3's record holder at 13 yeah. out of 15 or something like that. <laughs> and apparently a Indiana Playground pickup game unguardable legend. Uh, I don't know about I, I wouldn't go that <laughs> this, far. This is, this is what this – and then there's uh, – originally there were four. Now there's three. But there is uh, Aaron Loomer, who's kind of the business mind of the group, uh, was one of the co-founders as well. Uh, actually, no uh, – correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, not a lot of attention to detail and can't name his favorite pair of basketball shoes. That sounds about right. Uh, there's a, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, Chad Amos? Uh, Chad Amo, yep. Amo. And there is no uh, discernible facts that I picked up in any podcast that you talked about. <laughs> so this is something you need to work on. Yeah, and then, yeah, there yeah. Was, then there was a Kevin Spawn who was one of the original co-founders and is no longer with the company. But did I get all four right? Did I get the four horsemen right? You did. You you pretty much nailed it. Chad Chad Amo is our Swiss Army knife. Uh, so so <laughs> he, he kind of does he, he does a little bit of everything. He's hard to pin down with just a certain description. We call him the 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 angry leprechaun amongst us. I'm I'm in irrational competence. He's the angry <laughs> leprechaun. Uh, he keeps our he keeps us straight, man. He keeps us on the the straight and narrow. And uh, and uh, he was in charge of keeping our books for the longest time at the beginning, where things were pretty pretty dire so every time we had to ask for more money we were scared to face the <laughs> face the leprechaun so that's that's chad's uh that's intro funny. there well talk, talk to us talk to us about the beginning because um through some of the podcasts we've learned that you were teaching school and right. kind of having this as a side hustle and then one day it snapped for you and, and the team and you guys were like hey look we gotta we gotta get this thing going talk about that beginning and then talk about a little bit of the as what you called i believe it was 2.0 the rebranding of which we know is the yeah. brand now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm super proud of the early days, like really proud of, of how we started and, and how we came together. And, and so much has changed since then, but you look back, you look back on it. Finally, it, it's interesting when you look back now and you see the hustle to get where we are. And, and, and we still feel like we're only tip of the iceberg, you know, right now too. Um, and when, when we stop feeling that way, that's kind of what keeps me up at night. Like I want to, 
you know, I mean, I want to I want to still know that there's stuff out there, stories to tell and, and things to chase, licenses to chase and collections and all that stuff. But um, the early days you look back and you're like, man, that was fun. But I'm not sure I would go through that again to, to well, get what, <laughs> yeah. what, what time period. What time period did it really? Uh, so we're talking um, early, like 2011, 2012. Okay. So we've been around about eight years or so. Okay. Um, super proud of the of how we started because we started basically on the back of uh, a golf scramble I used to host for my high school and college friends. Mm -hmm. um, and we would get everybody to come to Indianapolis where I lived at the time. And uh, we called it the Pound It. And we, it was just all our, our buddies playing. And then Kevin Spawn, who was one of the original founders, uh, we wanted to do a shirt. So he would design a shirt and we would give a shirt out to everybody that showed up to play. It was part of the fee to come and play and all that stuff. Well, he made the switch to, I think it was American Apparel t-shirts later on, which were mm. much better than like the Hanes brand stuff that we were, we were just using generic stuff um, at the beginning to keep stuff cheap. And when that happened, there was like a monumental shift. So people that weren't playing in the pound that wanted the shirt, uh, people that were playing in the pound that were getting their shirts taken from them uh, when they were <laughs> at home, you know, out of the closet by a wife, girlfriend, sure. whatever. And uh, so then we were able to start selling extras of those. Uh, and then we piggyback that off of uh, to the, the West Atterbury Foundation. So West Atterbury was one of my best friends growing up, um, unfortunately passed away at 28 of melanoma. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm a, a board member on the West Atterbury Foundation. And we put together we did do a, a three on three tournament and a golf scramble uh, together and a concert. That's how it all started. It, it got whittled down to just the golf scramble now. But we started we just took the pounded model and started doing shirts for that. But it was to a much larger audience at that point. So then we started selling an extra 125 of those shirts at those events. Um, so the golf scramble only had, I shouldn't say only had, it, it's the biggest golf scramble in Evansville that we know of uh, where we're from. So 240 people there. And then we started selling like an extra 100, 125, 150 shirts on top of that at the event. Sure. Uh, and so the feedback that we got off of that was like, well, maybe there's something there to start a collegiate brand because we weren't finding the stuff that we wanted basically for IU, which is where, Kevin and I uh, went to school and met. Okay. So um, we were like, well, hell, let's just do it. And so we, we kind of did some bootleg stuff where we weren't really like infringing on any copyrights or, or using any logos, but we were, we weren't licensed and we were just trying to get some stuff out there. And it kind of snowballed from there. Um, the real change was when we got the, uh, when we started doing the retro shorts and that's been a very, very slow roll. Um, but when we got the shorts, like I met with Aaron in Bloomington, it's funny. Like we can, we always say like, it was a, it was a winter it was a, storm. It was a night. snowy, yeah, it was a snowy yeah, yeah, night. I heard some yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to, true. to like, but this is 2.0, right? This is the 2.0 switch. This, this is like, this is the, the one point of the, this is the end of the beginning. And then we can take it to 2.0 and I'll stop it wherever you want to go. But, but let me ask this, cause this is really important, especially for the business folks that are, are running successful businesses. Cause what you kind of described is you guys were doing other things. These shirts were something that you guys had that was a part of something else. And, but was really getting some, some play. I remember um, hearing in, in one of your pods, which is a great pod. Make sure you check out uh, Josh on his podcast, uh, the Night podcast. You. But uh, I remember it was, it was also like this time period in you guys' lives where you were like, Hey man, something's got to shake. We got to, we got to shift a little bit of what we're doing just in our daily lives. Let's double down on this. What was yeah. it? What was it? What was it about that time period? Because that's for any startup company. Those are like the come to Jesus moments, right? Those are the type of moments where you're like, 
okay, we're going to flip the switch and really do this. What gave you guys that kind of confidence that this is going to something that you should pursue? So everybody else is pretty happy with their jobs. Um, and, and, I love it. <laughs> and I love teaching. Like, I really did. I did it for 17 years. It was a great profession. I made a lot of friends, a lot of friends for life in that. Uh, hopefully made an impact on some some youth uh, in that time, too. So I look back on all that very, very, very fondly. Nice, um, nice. And honestly, if it wasn't for something like this, which is just a pure passion play, which I know is cliche as hell to say, but it is what it is. Um, then I would still be teaching and I would be, I would be content. I would be happy with that. Um, but there was, a, there was a switch in Indiana on where everything teachers were like heroes forever and, and well-respected and well thought of. And then there was like this switch around 2011, 2012, I might be off on my years, um, where they started cutting benefits. They started cutting pay. They started, uh, coming up with this merit system of evaluations and all this stuff that was that just didn't it did just didn't seem right to me if we're being honest. Um, and we had some bad leadership at the schools that I was at, not the Evansville schools, if, if you guys are listening. But um, the uh, <laughs> but at, at the school that I was at previously up in Indianapolis, from the superintendent standpoint, we didn't have great leadership, and and so there was a meeting where he called us in and basically put on a PowerPoint of like th- these are all the ways that we can fire you. Um, right. and that didn't sit right. So, you know, like, that I, I got irritated me. And so I called my wife first coming right out of that meeting. And I was like, something's got to change. Like, I know it's not going to change quick, but I'm going to put something together. I'm putting a plan together. I'm going to do something with this. That's going to get me out of teaching. If this is the way that teaching will is going to continue. Um, and so then my second call was to, to spawn Kevin. And I said, the T-shirt thing's got to go. Like, we, we, we need to meet. We need to figure out how to make this happen. Uh, he was like, well, let me bring Aaron in on this. Who, they work together at three, a company called 3M. Um, and it might have been called something different before that. Uh, a smaller place that got bought by 3M. But he was like, let me bring Aaron in this. He's the business brains, all that. So we bring Aaron in. Aaron's like, I'm not going to do it unless Chad's going to do it. Him and Chad were best friends from high school. And so right. that was it. Like that's, that's how, it how, all, it, how it came together. Yeah, that's how it all got started. Now it was you know, there. There was there was a hustle to it, uh, especially in those early years. And then and then Kevin uh, made a decision to to leave the company, which was really hard. So mixing uh, friends and business is not easy. Yeah, sure. uh, not not at all. So um, we've made it work. Um, I wish Kevin was still a part of it, but that, you know, he had to do what was best for him at the time. Sure. And we're still yeah. good, good friends to this day and all that stuff too. Um, but it does get dicey and, and it gets tough. And those were, we call those the, the dark ages of 99, so, uh, where we were kind of struggling. So, well, it's just interesting because obviously everybody looks at the brain down and it's like a rocket ship going in the right direction or it's, or it appears to be. Well, thank you. Um, so, but you guys made, Again, a, another kind of business question. You guys made a really hard decision that you guys weren't going to be, quote unquote, a T-shirt company. Uh, you were really going to double down and become a, uh, a college apparel brand. And that shift might, I don't know if that was in the snowy night, but that, that really yeah. turned everything into what we see now. So you're, you're running a company, it's a t-shirt company, you're getting contracts, you're doing, it's a strap, but you're getting contracts, but you guys made a, a de- decision to really focus on this amazing uh, college, college basketball kind of college retro industry. How did that happen? 
Well, two two things, and, and I owe Aaron a lot of credit on the above the board stuff. So we could have continued along that kind of gray area that I talked about um, earlier. We could have been a local t-shirt company, uh, but we realized quick that that wasn't where our passion was. And Aaron always did a great job of reminding me like, hey, if we open retail somewhere, because that was always a dream to have a store um, and have retail where, where a brick and mortar where people could actually go and interact and we could build our our fan base that way. And he said, you know, no matter where you put it, you have to take on the local flavor. So if it's in Evansville, if it's in Indy, you have to become like the local t-shirt company. That's how you survive in those spaces. Uh, and you can grow that and, and you can be profitable and, and that can work, but that was not where our passion was at all. Um, and then, uh, so as we kind of got into the Bloomington hotel, when the, in the winter storm, we just started posting post-its all over um, the wall of what we are, words to describe us, where our passion is, and who our competitors were, what, you know, what advantages do we have over our competitors, what advantages do they have over us. Um, and we were trying to do, like, everything. So we were trying to do football, baseball, I mean, anything <laughs> that we could do to, to, to keep the company going. It's, it's really important because it's, it's really – and everybody says this, like, it, it's funny. Cause I used to listen to podcasts and people would be like, it's not about the money. I'm like, it's always about the money. Um, <laughs> it, it, it never was because there was no money at the beginning. You right. know what I mean? So you like, guys are that, you're just scrapping it out right at this point. Exactly. So the money was the lifeblood to keep the company company going, but it wasn't like we were just rolling in millions of dollars and we were just doing anything to make a quick buck. So Aaron's favorite saying is play the long game. Like we always played the long game. Uh, and that's been very, very hard to do, especially with a wife. All of us have are married. All of us sure. have young families um, that were even younger when uh, of the time that I'm talking about. So we were introducing, we were bringing new um, people, new new children into this world, you know, and then having to uh, to to have our normal jobs and to devote time to um, to 1992. too. So that was a struggle, but. Uh, everything on that that wall and that post-it notes was pointing us down the the direction in the hall of college basketball, and that's that's Aaron always jokes with me. He's like, "Dude, you've been training for this since you were seven years old." Because I I just remember a lot of stuff, and I I love the game. Like I'm obsessed. Basketball is like giving me my entire identity and my entire life still to this day. Um, and so I've just been obsessed since I was seven, eight years old. And uh, everything pointed us down that direction. And I was careful to say, like, I know this is the direction that I want the company to go. But what what do you guys think? What Chad and Aaron, what, what do you guys think? Like, are you cool dropping football and dropping, you know, chasing? We had a big account with Visit Indy, which is a big visit tourism stuff. Like, where yeah, we were tourism turn, okay. Turning out shirts and stuff like and at the time that was a nice lifeblood and that was a nice profitable thing to keep our business going. And we were going to cut ties with that. So. We wanted to make sure everybody was on board, but it was undeniable like what we were and what we could become. So that was basically where 2.0 started and, and, and grass. I mean, the, the, the bare bones of 2.0 started in that hotel room. But it, it but coming out of there, you felt like the weight of the world was off your shoulders because I, I wasn't spending as the creative guy. I wasn't spending my time chasing stuff that I wasn't passionate about. And I could just narrow my focus down to college basketball, which came very, very, very easy. The hard part then was getting people to buy into your company, being an exclusive college basketball program or, or company and getting them to uh, license us to create this stuff because we knew what we were sitting on. 
But it's very, very hard to convince other people of what you are when you're not. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice you are hearing is Josh Barnett. He is a co-founder of 199. It is an amazing, amazing brand. They are doing some fantastic stuff. He just gave us a little bit about the backstory and how it all came together. Let me ask this, Josh, right now, because you were at the point where the, the turning point is, is happening. You got a clear vision. What was that first big college basketball license? Well, there's probably two. because There's one that's probably probably a little bit more local, the first one. Uh, but then there's one that's probably also probably as equally as rewarding. It's the first time you probably ventured out of whether it was Indiana or the Big Ten country or wherever you are to, to really secure something to say, oh, this this is an expansion part of it. So what were those nuggets? So there's there's a couple. So Butler w- will forever be grateful for, for Butler University because they are the first ones to say, like, yeah, do this. Uh, we believe in it. And so to have that and then um, their their uh, licensing department and Lindsay there has been awesome. She's been a vocal voice for us or very vocal for us uh, with other LDs, which always helps. All those LDs run in the same circle, licensing directors run in the same circle. So you, you get a few of those on your side and it can really take off. And we've run into some great LDs um, along the way. But we'll forever be grateful for Butler for giving us a chance. Um, without them, it maybe never takes off. Uh, IU was very important to me. I, I'm going to stay in the local market for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the IU was very important to me because that's where Kevin and I both went to school. And that's what we originally started um, the company for. It's because we couldn't find anything that we liked uh, for IU. So that was big. And then Purdue, we, we had to chase Purdue. Purdue was a very, very hard license to get at that time through CLC. And they were our first uh, CLC, which is a uh, – well, CLC and IMG have formed, but I, I won't bore you with all that stuff. But that was a big get because we were all Learfield to that point. And to get Purdue, which was CLC, um, was a big get for us. And then Aaron and Amo went to Michigan State. So getting Michigan State felt really good for those guys, too. Right, right. Um, so we could start producing some of their alma mater gear. Um, but I felt like we had a really good end because Aaron and Amo were able to tell a really good story with Michigan State and being uh, from there. The one that really jumps off the page at me uh, where there was a little bit of a turning point in our company um, to me was Villanova. Uh, and so when we were able to get Villanova, cause it was right off the heels of their, their two national championships in three years or four years or whatever. And it was uh, a big city, Philadelphia area. And it was outside of our comfort, not comfort zone, but outside of our local market. Yeah. They're also, uh, I think conferences too. They're, I think Big East East with Villanova, not Big Ten, where you are saying, um, you know, saying where IU and Michigan State were. So, yeah, I can see that first like. And we had so much that we wanted to tell with Villanova and we had those Kittle shorts that were going to go crazy. We knew that they were going to go crazy if they let us produce it. And I remember like cheering in my car when I got the email that those were approved after we had submitted them, like really like almost in tears. I get really emotional all the time. I cry like a lot on this stuff. Like, well, you know, <laughs> any, anytime, you're, anytime you're talking about Gary Kittles, you know, yeah. the, the, high mean, so- the-, the high sides to make it work. All of that stuff, like all these, these things mean so much to me. And then to do it with your friends, too. Um, I, I never try to take that for granted. And so I always get like super emotional about all of us doing this stuff together. And then there's a couple of those like monumental times. And so I was actually in a golf scramble when we launched Villanova. And so I launched it from my phone um, at the golf, uh, golf scramble. It was a charity golf scramble that I couldn't miss. And uh, I remember hitting like – 
it was crazy because I was with my other buddies then too on the golf course as my phone is just going nuts with orders when we launched Villanova. And that was the first time that we really like launched something. I might be wrong on this, but that was the first time where it was just this watershed moment where everything that we had shirts and shorts for Villanova just all sold out. And it sold out in a matter of an hour and 45 minutes when I was on the golf course with my buddies, like look at my phone and just showing like all the orders and a, super prideful thing and sharing that with some of the people that uh, supported us and helped us get there uh, down here in Evansville. Some of my close friends and stuff was really, really a cool moment. And then I had to go home and pack all that, sh- that stuff I don't know <laughs> right. on here, but I had to go home and pack all of it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so I remember that, that was when 99 was in my basement still. So all okay. of the inventory and everything was in my basement. And so I remember my wife helped me and we got uh, laundry baskets. And so we just started moving like all of the short Villanova shorts because uh, our printer was downstairs. We would throw the the packing slips in there with all the shorts into laundry baskets. And it was just like eight, nine, ten laundry baskets full of orders coming up the stairs. And it was just like this assembly line of stuff. And that, it may, maybe it'd be interesting to talk to, to my wife, Amy, um, to see what her recollection of that was. But to me, it was like the first time that maybe she was like, OK, these dudes might be onto something here. Like, so, so that's a, but that's a good point. Cause t- timing is always important in regards to what was the timing of, of, I guess, Butler versus the timing of Villanova. Like what year bracket do you remember? Uh, Butler came pretty quick. I would, I'm going to be off on my years. I would say that Butler came in around 2012 or 2013. So pretty quick, quickly there, maybe 2013, uh, something like that. And then Villanova came, Oh, uh, we probably have had them for three, maybe four years. Time goes by so so dang fast. So I would say like 2016 or 2017. So but that, but I mean, that, we were accumulating more licensing within that, but those okay. were the kind of the ones that jumped off the page of like um, it was different. Villanova felt different, and Villanova was like our springboard to what we started to become as we added Georgetown and and some of these other schools that we had too. And and. I wanted to highlight that time period because it's so important. I think even with startup companies and the the scrap that you're describing and printing things downstairs, running them upstairs and downstairs, like these are the things that people don't see, right? They look, they look at the 1999.com now, see the, see the licensing, the wonderful shorts. They see, you know, they, the wonderful uh, apparel, they see the blog and the things that you're trying to expand, but they they don't know about that time period. Great story to, to illustrate that, yeah, if, if you don't mind. Yeah. So we were, uh, I was sitting at my house and I had a couple buddies that were in from out of town that were going to come over and they were going to, people would just come to my basement and shop, right? So they would just be like, hey, Barnett, can I come, can I come over? <laughs> and then they would just go through our bins and stuff like, what do you got? So I get a customer email like, hey, you guys just made it in GQ. And I'm what? like, what? I'm like what? Freak, freaking out, right? So. He's like, yeah, here's the link. So they did this this article about um, summer shorts coming back in style, like basketball shorts coming back in style for for uh, summer. And Justin Bieber was on the front. He wasn't wearing our shorts, but people didn't know that because it was kind of like blurred out and it kind of looked like he was maybe wearing our shorts and stuff. Which we nice. never chased any of that stuff, but it, right. it didn't hurt, right? Right, no. Um, and so uh, I'm like freaking out, like really freaking out that, that we're in there. I'm like, this is cool. Like, I can't believe it. I was probably crying again, if we're being honest. Um, and, uh, 
So then my my buddy comes over and she's like, yeah, he's out back. Like my wife is like, hey, Hilly, he's out back. He just found out that they got mentioned by GQ. And in uh, the line in GQ was so dope. It was like for college basketball fans, 99 is your new favorite uh, company or something like something that we could use, which I was ecstatic about. Right. And uh, so he's like, whoa, that's crazy. So he comes out back. I'm on my back patio. He's like, dude, GQ. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm like, okay, you want to go downstairs and shop? And so he goes downstairs and he's like shopping in the basement. Well, there's cobwebs and stuff and you know like it's just a dirty dirty sure. basement it's a basement like, my, he's he's shopping next to my washer and dryer and so as i'm sitting there like looking at the gq stuff and he's shopping i'm watching like this little tiny spider like come down from the the ceiling like almost onto his shoulder and i'm like hey hilly you know there's about to be a, a spider on your shoulder there i'm like I, I said, and I said to him, like, you think GQ knows anything about like what this actually is? <laughs> you know, that's I'm... hilarious. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. But this is, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's really those times now that you look back and it's, it's to where you are now. How, like, just because I don't think that we don't know. I know we saw from some of the stuff online about a new headquarters and kind of how things work. How many employees are at 199 now? Uh, so I'm in a um, I'm in an office right now with uh, two of my other guys, which are Jordan Eikoff, who does most of the packaging, shipping, and customer service side. And was, it, and and was he like uh, one for fifteen on the cold threes? He was bad, man. Was, he was, that bad. was bad. You should you should have done him better than that. He, you really he let him. Bad. You let him. Let, you let him down. You let him down. So so the secret the 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 secret behind that is I lost count during that thing. We actually gave him seventeen <laughs> shots. And so we had to edit. It gets worse. Out of it there. gets worse. I know. So he was actually one for seventeen. <laughs> oh, Nobody knew that until now. No, but- uh, and then my 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 best friend, <laughs> he's he's looking at me through the window <laughs> with a thumbs down right now. <laughs> but Sorry, uh, you'll, you'll have to shoot, you'll have to shoot again. You'll have to shoot again. Yeah. And then uh, our other employee down here is Matt Breivogel, who is our uh, designer and uh, uh, lead creative. And he, we've been good friends since we were 14 years old, since we met uh, in high school. So it's been really cool bringing him. And then we always have Aaron and um, and Chad, who Chad is in Michigan and Aaron is in Indianapolis. The three of us are down here in, in Evansville. And then we have um, we have some other employees kind of sprinkled out throughout the country that do some other stuff. But it's uh, more of a not a full time gig, but a, sure. a part time paid. But by by every stretch, and what I was alluding to, by every stretch of the of the definition of the word, ninety nine is a small business. Very, it very is, much it so. Is, it is a small business, and it is doing doing big things. Let me ask you about creative, because okay. um, the, the product looks amazing. Uh, Thank you. Even the imagery and, and that stuff. So when you kind of secure a license, and you're going to say, okay, we're going to go do St. John, or we're going to do Georgetown. There, there is some little. I mean, for example, I know the the, the shorts have pockets in them. So the ones, uh, the ones that I got, the St. John shorts that I got. Yep. So it wasn't like you know I felt like Felipe Lopez, but I know Felipe Lopez wasn't putting <laughs> his hands right. in his pockets. So, so how how did y'all go about like saying this is going to be the absolute best product and we're going to make it look uh, really really authentic uh, to the game shorts, but it's also these changes in them. Yeah, we never saw ourselves as an athletic company, which uh, might might sound a little little different. But we were we're much more we pride ourselves much more on being a lifestyle company uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, can you wear those shorts to work out? Absolutely, I do. I go for runs in them. I play ball in them. Whatever. But growing up, I never played with basketball shorts that had pockets in them. Uh, but now, as a as a father of three, 
and I throw some shorts on, I need a place for my cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone growing up, right? right. Like, you right. know what I mean? I didn't carry a wallet because what was I going to carry? Like $3? Like I would just throw right. $3 somewhere like in my sock or something. Um, so times have like changed on that stuff and, and obviously getting cars and keys and all that stuff. It, pockets are so uh, essential to our everyday wear. And if we're going to be a lifestyle brand, we want you guys wearing these shorts every day um or able to wear them every day and wear them to the movie theater if you want to the grocery store if you want and without having pockets it really limited it uh we didn't have pockets to start uh when we first started launching the retro shorts because of what you just said we wanted to keep them more authentic but then that was another conscious decision to uh transfer or transform more into a lifestyle brand um more so than an athletic brand um and and that's how we can position ourselves with the schools too uh, we're not, we're not trying to com compete with the on-court providers. Uh, we're trying to tell a nostalgic story with a premium, um, premium product, uh, that is multi-purpose and, and, and the lifestyle. So that, that really coincided with our takeoff too. And Aaron, Aaron was very, very instrumental and, and loud as far as getting shorts. He, he knew that shorts were the key. Or, I'm sorry, getting pockets were the key. Um, I fought it for as long as I could, and then I had to agree, and, and he was 100% right. No, I think I think he is. I think you're exactly right. It's a, it's a wonderful – and you make the point, you can hoop in them. It's not like you can't yeah. hoop in them. They are very, very uh, – you can run in them, you can hoop in them, but they also – I think you, you nailed it. It does, definitely hits a creative, uh, creative vibe. Um, one thing that I've noticed about the company, and I, and I alluded to it off the air, um, is that you guys have – some partnership with is it slam goods or do they just sell the 199 product uh but but i've seen some exclusive stuff that you've done for slam uh which again during the era of hoops that i really coveted slam magazine was in source magazine were like two of the bibles that uh that was it i really yeah. followed you know, the slam magazine and source magazine were the two things that you really really checked yeah. out uh before i guess did slam were they ahead of the internet era in many ways? Yeah, they were. So Slam, Slam, Slam came around in like 94. And Dennis Page, if I got that date wrong, I apologize, brother. But yeah, I say think that it's was, 94. Yeah, well, like this was the – I just remember those covers. As a matter of fact, I got the hardcover book of all the Slam covers. I yeah, that's dope. It. It's amazing. Yeah. But uh, but you guys have a, have a partnership now with Slam Goods. or, or What was that collaboration like? And that, obviously that's not like getting a college basketball license – so how how did that fit into your your ideas? Yeah, so same same thing, like same sentiment with Slam uh, from my end too. That was that was the magazine that opened my entire world up down here in in, in tiny Evansville, Indiana, uh, pre-internet too. Mm. So like I love to just grind and, and and work on my game and stuff, but I really didn't know what else was out there minus the All Star tournaments and little AAU things that were around the tri-state, you know. Um, but then like slam came along and I, I never forget, we were going to drive to Florida for a family vacation. And my mom, I guess, just picked it up at the grocery store to keep me entertained for the drive down. And it was the Sean Kemp cover, which was oh, the second yes. cover ever. Yes. And so I read that thing like the whole way down front and back multiple times. Like, and I was just obsessed. And after that vacation was over, I'm like, mom, can you please like get me a subscription to this? So, right. Like I need, I need this magazine in my life. This is something like I've never heard. And the talent at slam at that time was ungodly too. Yeah. Throughout the history of slam, they've just had yeah, talent. To, to this day, they still have talented folks. So it's crazy. So we are actually, we actually have shared, um, 
Well, we are under the same parent company now. Okay. So we we sold 50% of uh, 99 in uh, August of this year. It was a, a decently long negotiation over the spring and summer. And then it came to a wrap in uh, uh, August. So we are partly owned by JDS Sports okay. uh, out of New York, which also owns Slam Magazine and also our Slam Media and also owns um, Five Star Basketball Camp. So you'll yeah. see us put, pushing five, five Star, star. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's been a great partnership, man. They've been great. Um, Slam's been great. The dudes over there are awesome. Uh, we get to collab with them, which is like a, a bucket list thing for me. And I'm actually – um, working with Dennis and uh, PRC and Adam over there right now for a special edition that's going to be coming out in March, which is like, like oh, I can't, gotta, I can't. We got a scoop. <laughs> we got a scoop. <laughs> there you go. You got Josh, it. That's talk to me about because some of the the stuff that you have done, I don't know how much you do it now, and obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but you've had to travel to these universities, you know, be on their campuses, make the pitch um, to to get a license. What were, what was some of the what are some of the? Because I'm assuming you're still doing. You guys are probably still picking up new. Uh, I know you're picking up new requests. I don't know if you're picking up new license. I'm sure everybody. Look, I graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University. I'm I'm gonna be like, we need some VCU shorts yeah, anytime yeah, now. Man. But tell us, tell me a little bit about how that goes about the traveling uh, to pick up license and and how you make 99 appealing to, to, to add them to your roster at the schools. It it was, it was really tough early on because we all had other jobs. And Mm -hmm. so trying to find the time to get down there and people to hear us out. Um, And then with, with COVID, obviously we haven't traveled to college campuses. We've set everything up through zooms and and Google meets and stuff like that, which has been really fun too. But I, I, part of the joy is getting to see these new, new campuses. Um, that's always been super important to me as a father, uh, growing up without the internet, uh, because the internet wasn't around showing, showing our age here. Um, but the, the internet wasn't around and really the AOL dial up. I knew I was in those AOL chat rooms, like, you know, throw that little kitty in there. And that sound, all your friends drunk texting your emails. (laughs) You were like, this is, this is what life's about. I know it, but even <laughs> but even before that, before the because that shit that didn't really for me that didn't even come till like college, right. uh, into high school and college. You know, it's crazy. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I knew of of USI and UE, which are local here, uh, Purdue, Indiana, um, Butler, and Notre Dame, and then Tennessee. My dad's a huge Tennessee fan and went to school down there, and so those were the schools that like I went to and visited and saw and you know knew of. Um, but part of the, the, the thing with 99 is in accumulating these schools and getting these connections to these schools is I want to take my kids when they're a little bit older to see all these places. And I want to have a connection to these places that we can get um, a decent tour and a de- decent look at it from the, the inside out um, and just show them like, here's what's available. I don't care if you take advantage of any of it, but I want you guys to know that, you know, Arizona State is probably – good like i mean crazy fun and cool and and you know i want you to see villanova and and maybe there's a a program at vcu that we didn't know about um but we're able to go and travel because i have business there and i can take them along and they can just experience that like that's always been super important to me but i know that's a little bit off on a tangent but to get back to your your regular thing covid kind of put an end to that which which sucked but these zoom calls have been great too and we'll get to all these universities after this stuff passes um, we had a great time going down, uh, Wake Forest really stood out. Our, our guy, Mike Odom down there is no longer at Wake. 
um, he really showed us around and we got to tour behind the facilities and do all this stuff. So we, we always batted like a thousand when we got in front of people, like that's okay. something that stood out to us. So it was, it was Aaron and I that we, we were traveling to these places. And if we got in front of people, we, we usually did pretty good. We, we always ended up with the license. Well, the, um, the, the passion is self-explanatory, right? So that's probably the yeah. first step, but the product yeah. is also, uh, I don't know if the product has evolved, uh, but the product is amazing. The passion is there. So I can't imagine the creative part of it if you're getting in front of the right people not working, right? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because Aaron, we, we kind of play off each other. Aaron is the business guy and he can talk numbers and there's really not a question that they can ask him that he can't answer. He's, he's just very, very sharp. Uh, Chad's the same way on that. Um, and then I'm not, I just sit in the, off to the side of the room and I'm like, whenever I get an opening to talk basketball, like that, that's my time to shine. And so then I come in and there's really nothing that they can tell me or ask me about their school that I, that I haven't done research on or already know. And I'll lay out a plan. We want to launch these schools with these years, tell this story. This is what I love about your program. This is what I think we can do. And we can drag this out, you know, three, four launches deep with the, with these people. And then, like you said, they start to see the passion behind it. Um, and, and they start to get the sense that this is not just a, a, this is not a money play for these guys. Yes. We're building the company. Yes. We have to take care of our families. Uh, but really we just want to make dope stuff that we want to wear and we want to get that out to fans period. So let's talk a little bit about the products because you guys do some really cool. And, and also, uh, we can pivot this as well to talk a little bit about the podcast that you're uh, at least a co-host on. You're on pretty much every episode. So you're the host of the podcast, right? And then you have people uh, rotating. Yeah, myself and Aaron, Aaron Meyer. Aaron Meyer, he, he, does, he does a lot of our work, man. No, 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 he gets no, out there no, and no, he, he always, no, awesome. always all, all over me to, to, to get on. And I'm always like, man, I can't do it today or I can't do yeah. it this day. And then he, he, he makes uh, – he makes chicken chicken soup out of chicken ass, so uh, he, he does a pretty good job with it. But so you've talked about in the podcast, you had a, a couple of drafts in regards to like you know some of your favorite shorts and some of the the things that you would you know the products you would draft first if they were players. As you kind of look back to where you are now, uh, what would you consider your favorite? Uh, no, here's the thing: because people do this all the time. They'll give me yeah. like some nostalgic answer, like, oh, the I the butler shorts are my favorite. What's your favorite short pair of shorts from 199? And then what's like ones that you just think are just super dope? Like this is my favorite pair, but this is like those, this is the awesome ones. So this is this is gonna be a, a weird pick. Um, it's the 92-93 Wake Forest black shorts are my fa- absolute favorite. 92-93. And so is Rodney Rogers. Rand- okay, this is yeah, Randolph Children's. Okay, yep, okay. Randolph, no, it's Randolph Childress, but he's young. And Rodney Rogers' senior year, I think he wins ACC Player of the Year. They're super yes. dope. It's something about the colors, of the black and the yellow, and then they got the Demon Deacon head on the left thigh. And we just brought them back. We Actually, we just got a shipment of them in because we're going to be bringing them back. And I pulled them out, and I'm like, there's there's my babies. I, I've missed you. Like, <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can't even explain why. It's just something about those shorts that I absolutely – Absolutely love. Um, and the ones I'm most proud of, like making and Matt putting together and making, um, that's not a new release that I don't give anything away because we just got some, some great stuff oh, some today too, um, are probably those Nova Kittle shorts that I referenced earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the Apex. Apex went What's- wild there for a few years in, in college sports. So they've given us a lot of good material. Let's talk hoops. I know you want yep. to talk hoops, so 
Uh, if you're picking one college basketball team, just one, to win one game, any game, like they're playing any team, uh, what college basketball team do you pick to deliver the victory? Augie, I'm going to get killed for this. Um, <laughs> so, so my favorite team ever is the 87 Indiana team for, for multiple reasons. Uh, our last national championship, I have a, a great, great story from uh, being with my family, watching, watching uh, Key Smart hit that jump shot. But if I'm picking a team, the, one of the best, and they didn't even win it. Okay, yeah, they didn't sure. even win the national championship. Well, that's the hard part about the question. Yeah, I get it. I yeah, get it. but the best team and one of my favorite teams growing up was 99 Duke, who got beat by that UConn team. They're the best team that not win the national championship. You're talking William Avery, Trajan Langdon, right? Battier yeah. Brand, like yeah. they're in Maggetti off the bench. Maggetti as the sixth man as a freshman. Did, no, yeah, have you rewatched? That team was sick. Have you rewatched that game on your blog? Have has that? Uh the '99. You because because here's the other thing. I would say that one of the most underappreciated champions of all time is that '99 UConn team. I disagree. That team was really good. <laughs> Don't like I, di- them. I disagree. I disagree. They were a very very good team, and by far the best team outside of Duke in '99. That UConn, yeah, Rip, for sure. Rip, Rip Hamilton. I think they only won, they only lost like two games. Yeah, it was Rip Hamilton, uh, Alamine, right, Vosco. Uh, but if Freeman. you have, have you rewatched that game? I have not. I don't think you, I have. If you ever rewatch that game, the calls are horrendous. The the calls in that game challenge then. are have to do it. there is like fourteen uh like charge calls that they they call it like Duke. Now it's it's Duke, right? So. I'm, I grew up and I'm in Virginia. I'm ACC country. I know all of all of this, and I follow. I'm a big. I'm a Duke fan. I follow the Duke uh, team. But that particular game, that team had gotten like a ton of baddies on that team. They get a bunch of charges every year, right? Like yep. they're just getting. And and the big the key to that team, uh, as good as all of those guys were, I think it was what four first round draft picks or something insane. Uh, including McGetty, who didn't even start, right? Yeah. Um, the key to that team but- was Avery. Avery yeah. was a horrible shooter his freshman year. This was yeah. Avery's sophomore year. And I, sophomore like, year. Yeah, and it was just like that's – that's a great pick then. And I, now, do you, now, do you think but they what, would have beat the 91 UNLV team? The 92 UNLV team. Because that's a, another team that didn't 91. win the national – No, the, the 92 yeah. didn't win the national championship. 91 didn't win it. 91 at 91 didn't okay. win it. 91 yeah. was a better team than the 92. For 92. sure. For sure. They were, they were, no question. So – I think the so 90- I would put I would put yeah. I would probably put like ninety one UNLV at the top of the list of teams that never that didn't win didn't, the didn't championship, win and then I would put um, eighty five Georgetown up there would be very very close right, to the, that UNLV yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, Villanova just goes bonkers and hits like eighty five percent of their shots and, sure. and wins. Different era. Um, and then that 99 team would be up there. And then probably that 83 pie slam pajama team is in that mix too. So, right. And I didn't um, know, I didn't know as much until the 30 for 30 came around about the inner yeah. workings of the team. But yeah. I mean, they played, I think Akeem played in three straight national championship games like that. That's a dynasty. Insane. Whether they win it or not, it's a dynasty. It's crazy. Um, if you, I know you're short on time. If you can get, no, in time, it's good. if you can get in a time machine and go back and watch, whatever player, uh, college basketball player, just, just, uh, I'd love to see that guy play again in college. Uh, who would those players be? You can name a couple of them. 
I, I'm gonna just stick to one. Ray Allen. Like Ray Allen was. My <laughs> guy. Very nice. I, love, I mean, I love Ray Allen at UConn, and so I got to see him play. They were the number one seed in Indy and my mom let me uh get out of school she took me out of school and my buddy out of school and drove us up to the games and her and my dad traded off two different days we got and to this go is, up there this is 96 yeah so this is 90 96 so we yeah. got to see uh Earl Earl Boykins and Eastern Michigan play Duke and beat Duke okay. um we also got to see UCLA and Toby Bailey get knocked off by Princeton um <laughs> They were, they were, yeah, they were the freshman sensation. sensation, Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we got to see Ray Allen and then Gottlieb and OSU was there too. Like it was crazy. Um, and so we got to see Ray Allen and we had pretty good seats. And I just remember like telling my mom and my buddy, like that dude floats, like everybody else is running. That dude just like glides. I've, I literally have never, when you looked at a game, that was probably the first time I was 16 years old, 15 years old, where I looked at a game of all these amazing players, and I'm like, that guy right there, number 34, is a, is a Hall of Famer. Like, he, okay. he unless something crazy happens. And so he just moved at a completely different pace, and I would do anything to hop back to 1996 and go back into the RCA Dome and watch Ray Allen glide around everybody again. Now, here's the thing. I would go back probably to 96 as well, but get, it's funny that you mentioned that story. So, 96 is Georgetown's Iverson sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. So, I laugh because I just remember the wars of the, uh, the yeah. Iverson, Ray Allen. So, that 96 Georgetown team was his sophomore year. They actually had a NCAA first, second round game in the Richmond Coliseum. And Georgetown oh, nice. was – so, my, my parents – like, we're senior – I'm a senior in high school at this time. We like write, you know, get our parents at this point. See, see, oh, that's year, hilarious. We get our parents to sign us out. Me and my buddies go uh, to the Coliseum to see practice. So we couldn't get into the game. Oh, the games that's were, dope. The games were sold out, but we got to go to practice during the day for free. And I remember it was um, Georgetown. They were wearing the '96 Jordans, the Jordan 11s. Uh, they've got those wonderful, those amazing shorts that you guys yep. make, and. Yep. Uh, Iverson, Victor Page. What do you know Victor about that Page. name? Page. Yeah. I think it was like a uh, big fellow, Othella Harrington. Othella, yeah. Jerome Williams. Yeah, Jerome, Jerome Williams, Junkyard Dog. But but Iverson in college. Uh, Iverson was a, an amazing pro and obviously a Hall of Fame pro and better, actually. And, and, and he was actually a better player in the pros once, you know, you couldn't zone and double check and stuff like that. But uh, two things. Iverson in high school and Iverson in – yeah, Iverson in high school was untouchable. Iverson in the pros was untouchable. Iverson in college was – you could tell he was better than everyone else, but there they would be games where he played – the Big East was stacked. stacked. And you would, play, you would play Ray Allen or you'd play like – you know what I mean? You'd play those teams. And he, he would have to work. He would have to work. Yep. And it was, a, it was a, an amazing so, time. So small in stature. You know what's, what's crazy, which pe- what people often forget, in 96 is that that's the end of Iverson's era at Georgetown, right? He goes pro sure. after yeah, 96 yeah. and his last game, they get absolutely blown out in the tournament by Marcus Camby, UMass and Calipari. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and people forget about how good that 96 UMass team was. They were incredible, but they just get beat by one of the greatest college teams of all time, which is 96 Kentucky, who is just loaded. Loaded. Yeah, it's just it's it's funny because that era was college basketball is so much older than 
So you had all these young studs that were coming up. They were sure. also blending in with the with the established guys. The established guys weren't going pro until junior year. Uh, as yeah, opposed yeah. to sophomore after freshman junior, year. Yeah. I think Weber so, went his sophomore year. That was, yeah, those exactly. are big so, those are big deals. Wow. Like could you imagine a Chris Weber now? But uh, um I will I will say this. I don't carry many uh games still on VHS tape. Like I just I used to be one of those guys that would keep every Street and Smith and have a bunch of VHS tapes that were like all these games. I don't do that anymore. One game I do have, uh, I don't know if you'll ever be able to see this, is it was a preseason, what was the NIT? Preseason NIT game at the Garden. Georgia Tech, Georgetown, 96. Yeah, I've watched it. Freshman, freshman Marbury, sophomore. Yeah. And so, uh, like, I don't think I've ever seen this in a game before. If you, but if you see this, you'll remember they jumped the ball off. Jump ball goes to, I think it goes to Marbury first. He's just walking up the court, dribbling. Iverson's checking him, standing ovation. Yeah. Like the kid, like people wow. just were going nuts. I'll, I'll never forget my, my dad. My dad was like so excited for that game. And I'm like, it was what, such what's, a great game. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, tonight it's Marbury versus Iverson. And I'm like, cool. Don't know who Marbury or Iverson is. Like, fill me in. Like, what, what What are we talking about? And so, oh, you know, amazing. so he so he gives me the whole background on who sure. Iverson is, and sure. and then Marbury. I think I knew Marbury a little bit from Slam. Uh, right. Some. Okay. So I was a big Marbury guy. Yeah, because of Slam. So I knew Marbury, Iverson, and and then that that game happened. I remember being so hyped. It turned out to not be that great of a game. Georgetown wins by like fifteen or something, but. Um, hey. But so it was there, cool. There was some nuance too, really quickly about that game that uh, I think Marbury talks about later in life. It wasn't we didn't know this at the time, but Iverson had played really well. Actually, he played he kind of destroyed Marbury. It's the yep, first game in college. I remember, but it's in the Garden, and Marbury's from Brooklyn, Coney Island. So all of his family is there. They get to like halfway through the second half, and Iverson's just got it. The game's over. Mm. And his brothers and cousins, and I don't know if you know about the Marbury family, but it's a yeah. bunch of bunch of hoopers, are yelling at him, just yelling at him and yelling at Clemens. And Marbury's looking at college like, like if every game's going to be like this, I don't know what's going to yeah, happen. I'm out. Like, why did <laughs> I ever was, come here? It was amazing. Uh, so, tell me again. Um, all right. So, because like I said, I really, Josh, appreciate the time and what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your decision to really expand just the brand through your podcast, through your blog, uh, YouTube channel. It's one of those things where uh, somebody that kind of looks back at classic sneakers and classic hoops or even streetwear brands, um, the actual having an active blog like like you guys are having with a brand is almost in a, in a way at a relic, not relic, but like nostalgic in itself. Because you would hear about some of these classic streetwear brands on their way up. And they'll be like, oh, we used to drop this stuff on the blog. And, you know, you, know, you don't really yeah. see a lot of companies that get, that get that excitement. You guys, and I want to spoil anything, but even I think this week you dropped the release that's coming Friday and you can look at the Instagram and it's like going on in real time. So you really feel like, oh, man, we're in this in real time. Talk about the decision to expand it to the podcast and the blog and how you're interacting with your uh, customers. So our biggest challenge, which I hit on a little bit earlier, our, our, we always viewed our, our biggest challenge as licensing. Um, and now we're at a point where we have the licensing that we need. They're, they're, now, not all that is on the website yet. It is coming. Um, but uh, not all uh, 
challenge now is not licensing. We have plenty coming. We have maybe three to four more that we need to go get um, of some of the some of the big dogs. But we have so much good stuff with the schools that you guys have been requesting um, coming. So now it's it's we have to be sure that we're building that audience to, to support that as well. And so we sell a story. We don't necessarily ever see ourselves as selling a product as much as we're selling a story. How many ways can we tell you that story? How can we connect with you so that you guys feel that you're a part of our brand? Um, however you get your news and digest your news or, or, or follow us, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Twitter um, or through the blog or the website or whatever, we, we just want to connect. Like that's our big thing. We want to connect with everybody. We want to have uh, a place in this, this basketball culture, no matter how small it is, we want to, we want a place at the table. Um, and to do that, we want to bring you guys in for the ride because like this, you know, you, you keep saying that you're, you're, that I'm doing you a favor. This is what we live to do. Like we, we love to just connect with people and talk with people and, and connect with the hoops world. So however we can do it, we need to do it. We need to do it from the business side. We love to do it and we need to do it from the business side because we have to continue to grow our audience to support all of the licensing in the, in the product that we have coming to. So it kind of goes hand in hand. We, we love it. It's easy for us to an extent um, to do this type of stuff. And, you know, minus the, the editing on, on the, uh, all of Jordan's missed threes. Um, but uh, you know, that that's like a labor of love and it's something that we like to do because it allows us to connect with people like you, you know, and, and that's dope. So, Josh, uh, as we exit this interview, tell us what you can tell us of what's coming up, what to be expected from 19. Yeah, so we, we have um, our vault launches that are coming up. We have the big launch on Friday, which is Georgetown, uh, some, some, some new Georgetown stuff. We have four new shirts and two new pairs of shorts. Uh, we have some restocks coming the rest of January. Um, and then we in February, we get to some some big dog schools that we get to launch that are part of the, the college vault program, which is uh, really exciting for us. And then March is going to be a monster as well. So uh, buckle up. It's going to be fun, man. And, and, and I look forward to to releasing these so I can stop answering Instagram comments of why don't you have these guys? And so, why don't well, you have these <laughs> again? I'm, we I'm wearing a Red Storm 99 hoodie. However, I will be remiss if I do not mention my alma mater, Virginia Commonwealth University. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to make the plug there. Fin they made the fi like final four, probably the first time it. anybody ever heard of them. But uh, but they are, uh, you know, I got it. Got to shout out the hometown crew with that last thing. I'm going to leave you with is a little bit of a tongue, tongue in cheek because we were just talking about this. This is my little man here. He's losing his mind because he wants to get into the picture. <laughs> All right. Go away now. Love. Love you, buddy. Um so we were talking about basketball movies on, uh, before before we went kind of live on the interview. We talked about your uh, above the rim call. Uh, yep. You alluded to some other movies that you've been watching and and series you've been watching in isolation or quarantine, if you will. And I would just like you let you know that you may not be the only person in the world that has both. Let me get this. You'll like this. The wire box set. It's unopened because I've seen. Look, because I've seen them all. It's unopened because I've seen yeah, them all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's but that, also that's an artifact. That's a relic. As, as you mentioned, as also a copy of Van Wilder. <laughs> but <laughs> here, here's go. here's some good ones. You mentioned uh, above the rim and he got game. Do you or have you seen like the whole? I don't know if you remember this. All of the and one mixtape series. 
Okay. On DVD, I've got hosted by Ali Mold and Black Widow, and then like random hoops TV stuff, like Born to Ball. That's awesome. I didn't have money for any of that, man. I got. I well, no, I got. Like, I got them later in life, man. I got them okay. later in life. And then this is one that if you have never seen, I just highly recommend. This is the EBC. So this is the history of Rucker Park, and all of like when, and it gets to the point. It's as recent as when Kobe goes after winning the championship. Kobe goes to the park. And like that stuff is is crazy. So when you you're mentioning uh, last thing I'll say is when you're mentioning some of the stuff in Above the Rim and the characters and like would that be applicable today? It's not that long ago that like Rucker Park was run by like the music industry teams. So like Fat Joe and Terror Squad's team and Jay Z had a rock uh, Rockefeller team. Yeah, and this all and they were pulling all these pros. And it was probably, it wasn't like, again, the writing and all that stuff, but it was the closest thing to a real life, like shootout. Uh, yeah. And the shootout scenes that you'll see where there's EBC tournaments. Now, Rucker's not the same. And I think Dykeman has everything going, uh, but it's an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting thing. So I, you I got love the collection, man. Nah, man, I love those players. You, I need to come back. Like anytime you want to, if you want to have me back, we can just talk about the wire. Period. Like I, I will sit there. I will. I will chop it you up know, with you about the wire. It's too emotional. I I like the wire, <laughs> but it's it's people get too. Uh, they get almost as passionate about the wire as they do about look uh, players like Tony Delk and Raymond Felton and yeah, Ray for Austin. So that's, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, Josh. Thanks so much. I, yes, I really man. appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast. This is a special edition interview with Josh Barnett of 19.9. Please make sure you follow 19.9 on all their social media platforms. They have a wonderful podcast and a wonderful blog as well. And be sure to check out all the new releases that they have. Uh, Until next time, we see it.